Uh, all right, I'd like to welcome everybody back today, Alabama Care. We have Mrs. McCartney Hagar with us today, and you guys know Mrs. Hagar. Uh, Ms. Hagar, she's been on a few broadcasts that she's directing herself, uh, and she is a recent freshman at UAB and has just completed, now this is the end of your first week, correct? Well, technically it's my second. I was there for orientation before classes started, and then I've been in class about two weeks. About two weeks. Okay, so it's still a very fresh experience uh, and is a big part of somebody's life. Yeah, I remember being extremely nervous to go to college and those first few weeks were kind of a whirlwind um, you know, learning and uh, meeting new people. So we're just going to kind of talk about that for anybody that's interested in, in you know, going to college and what that might look like. Um, so if you could tell us one thing that you've learned in the last two weeks that's really taken you by surprise? Hmm, I would say that um, it's so different than high school. It's so I, different. And um, the system for how accommodations work and things like that, it's, it's a whole different experience and it's a whole different feel. And um, in some ways it's good, but there's other ways I'm not, not a fan. Tell me, tell me one way that you think it's good and one way that you're not a fan. Well, I like that I have a bit more control over how, how things are gone about as far as my disability. I'm sort of my own, when you're on campus, you know, in high school, you have your own case manager her work, who works in the school and is sort of in charge of everything. An upside of that is that you have help and you have support and you have someone that can kind of let you know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, a downside of that is maybe you feel like you're not completely in control. It depends on if you have a good case manager, though. Like, yeah. good case manager, I have no problem. I like having that control. But at the same time, it's a lot of responsibility, and it's hard to make sure you have all your ducks in a row, and um, you're still able to manage your classwork, and you're moving in. The first two weeks being disabled at college are really rough. Um, it's a lot there, and I feel like that's kind of um, you know, when you go into college, there's nobody that's going to tell you, you have to go to class. There's nobody that's going to wake you up, um, and be like, Hey, you have to get there. You're going to be marked. We're going to call your parents in college. It's like, it's on you, you know? And I would definitely recommend, I don't know if you have 8am classes, but I did not do well with 8am classes. I have them and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Yes, I, uh, I totally agree with that. If you can, I would recommend scheduling for about 10, 11 o'clock uh, and then enjoying what the teacher is saying then. Um, so you were mentioning that you have a little bit less control in high school and that uh, you have more control in college and it's kind of all on your shoulders there. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about, you said moving in into college in the first few weeks are extremely difficult. Uh, especially for somebody that might have a disability, if you could talk about something specific there that you're hinting at. Well, getting my accommodations sent in, there was a lot more to it than I thought. I really don't think that the curriculum we have in high schools, like I took self-advocacy courses that were supposed to prepare me for college, but I really don't think they gave you a good enough idea of how much you had to do on your own. And like, I'm very independent. I'm very driven. I'm always sending emails and things like that. And yet I still didn't get my accommodations actually to my teachers until the day before class. Because I was not given any instruction on how to do that, when to do that, 
I assumed I was supposed to advocate, fill out the paperwork and explain my accommodations to the um, Department of Disability Services and then they would take it from there and that's not the case. Yeah, so you had to contact the department and then you also, and you were under the thinking that that apartment would reach out to the, the teachers and, and explain everything, but that's actually not the case. You had to do both. Uh, you had to reach out to the teachers individually. Um, and how has that been going? Um, it's been, well, once I got, you know, I filled out the rest of the paperwork and then I talked to the teachers one-on-one, -on -one, sent out a mass email and then also talked in person. And I mean, they're all pretty understanding and they seem like, they're willing to accommodate. Although I feel like maybe in some senses, the high school system where they know ahead of time is a lot better because they, some of them just seem like they didn't know what to expect. Mm. Like when I came in, it's like <laughs> this sort of, oh gosh. Yeah. No. Um, like in the high school system, you're kind of in that funnel. And so the teachers will talk uh, and your case manager is involved. Um, but for college professors, they don't really know a lot of the incoming students. It's just kind of semester by semester and class by class. And those classes are so big that even, you know, it's hard to have a personal relationship with a professor. Uh, I'm sure professors don't know a majority of the people rather than an Excel spreadsheet where they have to type in the scores in some of those larger classes that happen at the beginning of college. You know, you're at your economics 101 or, you know, whatever that 101 course is. And so it's a little bit harder to have that personal relationship there. Um, what did, uh, so you mentioned that you felt like they were kind of caught off guard, uh, the teachers. Um, about how long would you say you met with them? How long did we talk? Yeah, in, like when you said you met with the teachers individually one-on-one, -on -one, for someone that might be going into college thinking, I'm gonna have to reach out to these teachers and meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, um, what did that look like for you and how long, like what did the conversation look like? Well, my first advice is just bug whoever you're working with, with disability services, double check, triple check to make sure you've done everything that is your responsibility. Because not, you know, these people have a lot of clients, they have a lot going on and sometimes information doesn't travel as quickly or when you need it to where they assume that you've already been taught how to do this. But if you're a first-generation college student or first-generation university student, you don't know. So just make sure you're very diligent about working with DSS and making sure you have everything you need when you get there the first day. That's what I would have done <laughs> if I had known. And um, uh, working with teachers individually is, it's really gonna depend on their schedule because you may have a teacher who's teaching eight classes or something. You never know what their schedule or their office hours look like. So I would say my plan was, I assume they already had my accommodations and I sent out a big email, sort of explain, breaking it down and explaining what that would look like for me, why I needed it and um, assuring them that I wanna participate in class fully. I'm really excited to be here and um, this, you know, this isn't going to take away from my experience. You know, this is what I need to participate. So just making sure that that's clear and there's no misunderstanding that, you know, I'm there to slack because not that that's true of any disabled person, but I personally wanted to make sure that wasn't an assumption being made about me. I'm very self-conscious. So, wow. um, I love that phrase that you just said, I want to participate fully uh, and I'm excited to be here because I think that that would excite the teachers as well. Um, right. 
as a professor and a teacher, you get excited when the students are excited about learning. Uh, so you kind of feed off of each other there. Um, now, how has your experience with um, the department on uh, campus been for disability? And have you been in there uh, physically to meet people or has it been more communication through email? A lot of things are still through email and Zoom, but um, I have been to the um, disability office a couple times, just pick up paperwork, things like that. You know, it's a good office. The people that work there are really nice. Um, yeah, no complaints there. Living on campus has been a unique experience. It's weird, but it's not weird in a bad way. I've been able to participate in a lot of events and have some really good food. So no complaints. <laughs> Let's take a step back and we'll get into more of kind of uh, outside of class. Uh, tell us about your room. How is, you know, moving into the dorms? Uh, if you could give us a little bit of history of how that went and how everything's set up right now. Well, it took literal years of planning. So if you are watching this, if you have a disability or someone you know does and they want to live on campus, make sure that you're working with the people you need to work with like ADRS to get the ball rolling as soon as possible. And um, the original plan for me was I would move onto campus and um, live in a dorm just like everybody else. And I would just hire a personal care attendant to come and you know, come in the morning, get me ready around lunch so I could eat, all that kind of thing. And then in the evening to get me ready for bed, so on and so forth. And the rest would be sort of just me doing it, friends, whatever the system ended up looking like. We were gonna improvise a little bit, but we weren't able to find a worker. We think between COVID and um, honestly, people in these kind of positions are not paid enough. They're just not. And that's not our fault, but that's something that policy-wise needs to be worked on so I can actually have care. <laughs> um, so I couldn't find anyone that was like, yeah, these weird hours and this low pay works for me. So my grandmother, my God love her. She's the best. She actually quit her job to come be my aide. So she's my roommate in college. That, that's amazing. And I had an opportunity to meet your grandmother. She's a very lovely lady. She um, is. I'd like to second that as well. Um, and that's amazing. Um, that sacrifice that she's doing and being with you um, and, you know, not not doing that other work um, to allow you to grow in that space uh, and support you there. It, it, her love is really coming through there. Um, she's been very supportive. I, I, so I have to ask, though, I feel like um, the college experience is kind of you know, letting your wings come out a little bit uh, and getting out on your own? Does it feel a little different having a family member there like you can't totally let loose? It does. It does feel weird because, you know, a part of me is a bit disappointed that I'm not alone as much as I wanted to be. I'm just that kind of person. I don't mind having time to myself. And I'm also really happy she's there because it's like I have a support system. I'm very close with my family, so I don't want to be that far away from them either. But it's, it's a complicated mix of emotions because I wanted to be a bit more, quote, normal. But um, I'm not really unhappy with this situation at all. I think she's been very great about having letting me do whatever I want to do by myself. I went to this mixer for students by myself. You know, um, She lets me spread my wings, but is also there if I don't feel comfortable doing that in a certain situation. So 
Yeah, now that you kind of uh, give that an overview there, I imagine it is a nice transition where you could have someone that you're familiar with and a family and a loved one uh, for maybe those first few months or first semester in college um, and get situated, because it's a lot, a lot coming on right in the beginning. So maybe getting situated a little bit in college and then having a little bit more time to find that assistant, um, you, you know, maybe in the second semester or in a few weeks, whatever that looks like. I'd like to acknowledge chat really quick. Sarah Williams says, hey, everyone. Uh, Sarah, good to see you today. Uh, Zuite says, hello, Mac. It's got to be a Hi. little fun. Uh, Linda Gayer says, McCartney, you're killing it at college. Your grandma is awesome. I've known her forever. <laughs> she sure has. That's my, that's my aunt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They've known each other quite a while. <laughs> Ethan Aubrey Keller says, great job. Keep it up with the good work. Um, Thank you, so everyone. How are you um, looking for hiring these uh, caregivers and personal assistants? Well, originally my plan was to work with the university since it would be easiest if I had someone living on campus who could just swing by and like help me with things. But um, like I said, between the pay and the odd hours, because it's like basically three different shifts with gaps in between, it just wasn't appealing. What we did was we sent in the job description. I worked with my sale case manager on getting that written up and deciding what would be involved in the job. And we sent that to a few different departments. The, um, the campus web, like they have a job site thing called Handshake, mm -hmm. but apparently it doesn't take like personal ads. So we had like the School of Nursing, the School of Physical Therapy, things like that, put it on their websites and um, didn't work as well as we'd hoped. Yeah, I'm familiar with Handshake. I actually just signed Alabama Care up for it. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> as an employer. So we're going to explore what that uh, looks like uh, if we decide to bring on uh, more individuals in the future. So uh, I might be calling you saying, hey, how should I do this Handshake thing? <laughs> you have a little bit more experience than I do there. Yeah, I've been, trying, I've been telling people about my job. So maybe, maybe I've got some interest going on campus. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, and I can tell you from my uh, family member, my aunt, we've had a little trouble with finding um, a caregiver for her. Um, and she has three caregivers around the clock that kind of go through different shifts. Um, and we're having two people that used to work with her fill in right now because we haven't found that full-time position. Uh, it's been very frustrating. We have interviewed countless people. Um, we have started training um, we had a girl, you know, start training for two days and then the third day she didn't show up. Uh, we had someone start training for one day and then left and then three hours. And it, I haven't seen this before. And it's been very frustrating for us. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how we can bump up the pay, uh, things like that. And then I talk with other, I have other family members that also are employers and friends. And they're saying they're seeing the same thing as well. They're having trouble finding staff. Uh, and, and good team members. So I keep telling everybody we're doing the right thing. Uh, you just need to keep going at it. And, um, you know, you'll find somebody that, that fits the perfect team there. So I, I feel your frustration. <laughs> um, I'd like to talk a little bit about, so you're mo you moved into the room, you had your orientation, uh, you have great family with you supporting you. What does the social life look like at college? Um, well, it depends almost on the day. Um, 
I'm in the Honors College, the Global Community Leaders Program at UAB, which is great, highly recommend. Um, so I was there a couple days early and I got to meet some people during the honors activities. They have programs where they get you used to, you learn about the community, you meet other students and some upperclassmen. So that was a really great program and it helped me meet some people that I'm still talking to. So that's been nice. But, um, you know, it's busy. You go there and when you're in class, it's kind of hard to make friends because you're listening to a lecture, you're preoccupied with what you're doing. There's not a whole lot of opportunity to be like, so what you watch on Netflix, you know? <laughs> um, I have been to a few events and things for students to meet each other. And I've met some cool people through that. So I would yeah. say participating in clubs and things like that is the best, the best option. I always, you hear it a lot, like the easiest time to meet people is when you're on campus in college. And then as you get older and, you know, you have your own family and work and everything, it's a little bit harder, but you just have to focus on your hobbies. Uh, whatever you're interested in, you should have a hobby that you do kind of as an outlet and you'll meet people from there. Um, what about the dorm life? How big are the dorms? Like how many, how many doors and people live in your dorm? I don't even know a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been down all the hallways. You know, I feel weird just being like, ooh, what's this person's name on their door? <laughs> but the building is big and um, it's really nice. I'm in McMahon Hall, which is like the newest one. Mm. So, which is because of accessibility, but bonus, it's super nice. So oh. yeah, um, a lot of people in other halls have like multiple roommates and they share like a living room. So I think it depends on the building, but I don't know all the people on my floor. Like I don't, even though they're all in the honors college and I should have classes with them, I still don't know them all. So I'm assuming there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that we used to do, is this still something that goes on is leaving your door open. Uh, so if you're just doing work, uh, I remember in college, me and my roommate would always leave our door open for the first like month or two just to meet people. If anybody wanted to knock or we saw somebody walking by, we'd be like, yeah. And we, we would sometimes put up like a little dartboard, a little velvet dartboard. So if anybody wanted to like throw a dart at the door, they could do that. And it would be like, hey, what's up, dude? Uh, <laughs> you, know, you got a bullseye. <laughs> uh, just looking for ways to, to meet people. Um, is really abundant there. Uh, so I, I don't know if you are leaving the door open, but if you ever felt like that you wanted to, I always uh, found that to be a cool way to meet new people. That is a cool idea. I think it might work in other dorms, but with ours, the kitchen is where you come in. So we have like a mini kitchen and a, like a bathroom area. And so you, when you walk in, you can't actually see like my desk or anything from there. Mm. So unfortunately, I would just be showing people my kitchen. Yeah. But that sounds like a really good idea. If I end up in a different dorm like next year or something, I think I'll try that. Yeah, that's totally different from the dorm that I went in. We were jam-packed in there like sardines. We definitely did not have a kit. We had a, a basement kitchen that anybody could use. Uh, there was probably 400 people in my dorm um, and no private restrooms, just big restrooms. Um, that, yeah, community shower kind of thing. Um, and so I was a little bit, you're definitely in a very nice dorm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you say is the coolest, uh, really quick, Virginia, uh, Redeker says, Hey, McCartney, uh, Mrs. Redeker, always good to see you in chat, uh, and appreciate you being involved and in giving McCartney a shout out. Um, what would you say is the coolest thing that has happened so far, uh, in the past two and a half weeks? 
Well, I don't know. I've done a lot of neat stuff. I would say the event I went to, I went to, like I said, a mixer for students. And um, I met a lot of really great people. A lot of people I had things in common with. We sort of played bingo, but like each square was something about a person. So you had to go around the room and find someone who fit that criteria if you wanted to get your square filled out. So you had to find someone that was like, has a black cat or is a business major or something like that. So that was really fun. Um, and it was nice. I went there by myself. So I got to, I met up with um, a friend from high school. She also goes there. So we decided to go together. We walked across campus and, you know, it was really nice, peaceful kind of day. And we got to the event, met some awesome people and um, managed to miss the terrible rainstorms. So <laughs> it was a perfect night. That sounds awesome. That's a great idea to meet people that the, um, the school's putting on there and, and hosting for that. Um, side question, are you thinking about, I, I never did, but I know it's a big thing is joining a fraternity or sorority. Is that something that you're open to or pursuing? Um, I'm not pursuing it at the moment. I'd really need to know more about it and what it entails because I've got a lot on my plate, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I know sororities and fraternities, that kind of thing, are really serious. And sometimes they have like certain community service hours and things like that you have to achieve. And I'm already doing the honors college and some other stuff. So I don't know if I'll be able to. Maybe maybe next year or something, if that's something you want to do. That yeah, sounds like you want to do it. Yeah, it sounds like you're pretty focused right now, making sure that you have a good start to school. Um, and the first few weeks are very important. Number one, I always tell people, my younger brothers and sister, always read the syllabus and understand it. And if you have any questions, you need to talk to the professor because that's your grade. If you can do what's on the syllabus, you get a good grade in class. Speaking of classes, tell us about what classes you're taking. Uh, and then I'll have a follow up question for that. Okay. Well, I'm taking like the coolest classes. I love all my classes. So I'm taking intro to sociology, which is really fun. We get to do a lot of neat activities that really get your brain going. You have to like, we had to do this one where we were in a zombie apocalypse and living on an island and we had to rebuild society, hypothetically. <laughs> and um, taking biology, which I really like biology. And I've taken a lot of variations of it throughout high school and also I took a dual enrollment course for it so I'm pretty familiar with it and I figured it'd be good to get my science credit that way so I'm I'm enjoying it my teacher is awesome I love her and um let's see taking a biology lab we're going to be studying ticks which is neat oh yeah and Lyme disease yeah things like that apparently so there's not a whole lot of research on it so and Lyme disease isn't as prevalent, as I understand it, uh, here in Alabama, as it is where I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, and I actually have Lyme disease. I get bit by a tick when I was doing an outdoor, it was like an outdoor school thing, where as um, a junior and senior in high school, you would be a camp counselor for a middle schooler. And for, I think it was like three or four days, school would be at this outside campground. Uh, and it was a really fun experience. But as a counselor, one of those years, I came back and I had a big circle on my arm with a little dot in the middle, like a bullseye. And uh, I was itching like crazy. And I had to go to the doctor and sure enough, I got tested. I, it was Lyme disease from a tick up there. Um, so 
I think that more people need to know about it and be a little bit uh, aware. Uh, that's cool that you're studying ticks. I feel like they um, they don't get enough credit for what they can do, good or bad. I don't know if they do anything good, actually. But <laughs> I don't think they do anything good. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's why we're researching them. There's not a lot of data on what they're like in this area. And I actually got a tick illness one time, a tick paralysis, mm -hmm. just from playing with a dog. Yeah. And I like, it, it was really bad. It's dangerous, you know? It really is. And this year has been really bad for him. It, it's been like wet uh, and hot. And when my dog goes out in the yard, I'll catch like two on her almost every time, uh, especially a couple months ago. Um, it's been a bad season for ticks. So you have to keep us updated on that. Maybe publish some findings. Um, I want to ask about the sociology class, though. You said you were stranded. If you zombie apocalypse, stranded on an island, how did you start to rebuild society there? Well, it was a group activity. We basically assigned every group like roles on what they had to do. Also, um, a bit more background. In the problem, we were in Indonesia, and a lot of them people there were American tourists, but not all of them. So not everybody spoke good English. So we had to get around that too. Mm. So we kind of had to set up like an education system so everyone could communicate and um, certain people to gather resources, all that kind of thing. Did you um, then switch to like boating uh, as transportation, kind of island hopping? No, they, from what the problem showed us, there wasn't another island. Like we weren't, there wasn't any point in presuming there was another island that wasn't covered in zombies. So that wasn't on our priority list at first. <laughs> that wasn't an option. <laughs> I love those kinds of questions because they get you thinking in creative ways um, it, with challenges maybe you've never thought of or been introduced to before. Uh, and you never know what's going to come out of that. All right. So you got sociology, you got chemistry. Biology. Or biology. I apologize. Don't, do, don't take chemistry. I hated chemistry. I, I'm not a fan. Yeah, no, me either. So I studied physics and hated chemistry. Took a ton of physics and math classes. For some reason, I hated chemistry. Couldn't do it. Uh, not my forte. Um, tell us about the other classes you have, though. I'm in African-American studies, which I, I love it so much. I'm learning so much. Um, right now, we're talking about the um, student movement and how the whole discipline got to be a thing. And it's so interesting. If anyone wants to learn more about that, I highly suggest looking up the strike at San Francisco State. Um, it really puts in perspective um, how much how much there was going on during the civil rights movement and even before. And there's so many schools of thought. It's just so interesting. So that strike at San Francisco State is something I've never heard of before. Could you give really? me? A, yeah, I've never heard of it before. Um, could you give me a little overview? Well. Um, a lot of student activists who'd participated in the civil rights movement or were a part of organizations like the um, Black Student Union, things like that. They um, banded together to um, have like a protest, a sit-in in order to get um, Black studies instituted at the um, University of, or the San Francisco State College because um, basically our education system, it focuses a lot more on like history of white people and things that happened in Europe. And so if you're in a marginalized community, your, your history isn't really focused on and it can kind of make you feel like your people have never done anything. And that's true of disability as well. You know, We never learned about the disability rights movement and things like that in high school um, 
history class and so far I haven't heard much of it in college either. So I think it, I totally get why that's so important to those activists because you need to know your people, you need to know where you came from and all the achievements. So you can feel like, you know, you're a part of a proud people that have attained wonderful things. Um, you said something that reminded me of uh, what somebody mentioned, Mr. Courtney Tarver, when I first moved here, and he was uh, the head of ADMH at the time, and I met with him, and he said, I, and I was new to the disability community, I wanted to learn more for my family member, uh, and he, one line that he said to me was, disability rights are civil rights, um, and a lot of the civil rights movement uh, happened here in Birmingham, uh, in Alabama, and he said it's a great place for the uh, disability rights to kind of take hold. Uh, so I, I love that you're reiterating uh, that statement. And it sounds like, you know, you've, I know you're very passionate about disability advocacy and may want to work in that field in the future. Uh, and to be able to experience and learn other uh, rights and struggles and advocacy uh, in different um, groups. Uh, kind of flows together. Uh, does it feel like it's kind of a very similar struggle? Absolutely. You can really see the parallels between, you know, the way that oppressed people have to, you know, fight for what they deserve. And I actually found out not long ago that without um, Black activists and people that had participated in civil rights movement and things afterwards, that the disability rights and the 504 sit in wouldn't have been able to happen without their support. Mm -hmm. So I think that learning more about other communities and how advocacy and activism has gone for them, what their sort of the thought processes are between the like the philosophy aspect is really interesting too. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm learning a lot. And I think a lot of what I learn, I can apply to helping my own community and also being a good ally to others. Yeah, I agree. Um, so with African-American studies, that puts you, uh, do you have another class there? Another one? Yes. Mm -hmm. I have a um, dialoguing course and it's a course for honor students. It's like a seminar format. It's really unique. It's the first course I've ever taken like this. So what we're learning to do is dialoguing, which is like this really specific form of communication. And it involves sort of holding your judgments and it's focused more on listening and understanding than trying to convince the other person of your take on something. Um, that kind of, it sounds like rewiring your brain for communicating with others, uh, kind of breaking down your habits maybe and rebuilding them up. That's gotta be tough. It is. And it's really, it's worthwhile though. Um, what we've been doing is basically the dialoguing course, it's not just to learn to dialogue, it's to learn to dialogue about serious topics, because when you have effective communication, you're actually able to talk about these things and get somewhere and actually learn. So what we're covering is race. We're learning about racism, and we're going to dialogue about it. So it's been really challenging to sort of, you have to evaluate yourself, and you have to evaluate others, and not being, you can't interrupt, you have to just listen and just completely be devoted to understanding what another person is saying. So it's really, I just feel like it's such a cool form of communication and I'm learning so much. Yeah, it sounds like um, if I were to stress a word there, uh, empathy for another person in communication. 
Um, and Virginia Redeker says, sounds like we could all use a dialoguing course. Um, and it reminds me of a book I read, how to, heart, how to have hard conversations, um, you know, stuff that maybe you're uncomfortable talking about or feeling there. Um, Virginia also says, Alex, I'm with you on the college dorm setup, jammed like sardines, group bathrooms, door open. McCartney's room is luxurious compared to what I remember. And I have to, <laughs> I think you've got a pretty sweet setup there. Um, now you've mentioned, uh, four of the classes and then a lab, correct? Mm -hmm. Which one's your favorite? That's really hard to say. Cause they all have their appeals. Um, sociology is my major, but I feel like I'm having a little more fun in my um, African-American studies class. Cause I think we're actually getting into real events right mm -hmm. now in sociology. We're talking about like research methods and things like that. And I mean, it's interesting. And we, it was interesting when we talked about the schools of thought of sociology and things like that. But um, I think I wanna learn more about the action. You know, it's fun. It's more fun to learn about if sad at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, maybe some of that you know, you have to get the building blocks. I know like the 101s, the sociologies, uh, psychologies, the economics, sometimes those are, I feel like they're a barrier to entry. They can be mundane, but you have to go through them because some people won't go through them and they won't be on campus next semester. Um, you know, and that statistic of people that don't make it to maybe their second semester or second year because uh, they didn't get those foundation courses in is pretty big. Um, let's take a side swipe here. So we talked about classes. Um, you mentioned food. Uh, we've all heard of the abundance of food, but what is the food like at UAB campus? There's so much food. It's so good. So I'm right across the street. I'm like really close to Al's. I'm not familiar with Al's. Al's Mediterranean restaurant. Oh, okay. It's like the best, it's like my, it's been my favorite place forever because I used to go there, you know, anytime I had a visit to Children's Hospital, it was nearby and I love Mediterranean food. So being across the street from that is really cool. I'm going to have to check that out. I've never checked out um, Al's before. I've always done Tzatziki's. Um, oh, now, Tzatziki's is good. Yeah, tzatziki's is good too. Now, when I was going to college, it was a big uh, like cafeteria setup. Is that similar to UAB where I would go and I would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And it was, it was really a cafeteria. We didn't have like restaurants on campus or anything like that. It was just mac and cheese, burgers, you know, whatever, maybe some better options. But uh, what does the food court look like? Oh, it's really nice too. We have, like you said, like a cafeteria type setup, but we have a lot more than just mac and cheese and burgers. <laughs> we, have, um, we have things like that, but you can always get a burger or like a barbecue sandwich, something like that. But they also have a lot of uh, multicultural, different types of food. So I've had um, this Moroccan, um, I'm trying to remember, it was like a vegetable stew and it had like chickpeas and cauliflower and all this stuff in it. And it was so good. I've had um, Indian curry. I've had, I mean, I've had some just basic stuff too, like fried chicken. Yesterday, I had some um, Cuban red beans and rice, and it was so good. Oh, my gosh, it was so good. Yeah. I love getting on campus, you know, getting out and experiencing those things. I remember the first time I had Jamaican food, I fell in love with it. Uh, it was like cabbage and the beans. Um, I don't know what the meat was, like oxtail or something like that. And then I had fried plantains on the side. 
I had that, I think for probably two months uh, for lunch every day. It was just, I was hooked, uh, but I never would have known about it uh, if I didn't try it. So it's cool to be able to try those different foods that maybe you haven't been introduced to before. Totally. Yeah. Now that you're in um, UAB and you're in contact with the disability department there, um, are you still involved with uh, SALE and ADRS? And if you could talk a little bit about, you know, has that changed at all? It really hasn't changed at all. I need them just as much now, if not more, because um, the disability service at campus, I mean, it's only concerned really with your housing and your classes. Mm. So if I need assistive technology, if I need books, if I need um, my wheelchair worked on, which is going to be doing that soon, you know, that's none of that is through the disability service. So I need sale and I need ADRS like 10 times more probably. And I wouldn't even have my um, care services without um, sale because that's how my grandmother is being paid to work for me. So. Mm -hmm. so it's almost like getting into college and you you didn't know what you didn't know. And now that you're in the experience, it's like, OK, we have to start working on these other things as well. Now, you mentioned uh, your wheelchair is going to be worked on. Uh, what's going on there? Are you modding it up? <laughs> Always. Well, you know, just every year, every couple of years, you got to get it worked on, adjusted. You know, it's amazing how much the body can change just mm. based on what you're doing and things like that. So I definitely need some mods, definitely need some upgrades to fit with what I'm working on now. I'm driving way more than I have in like two years, thanks to the pandemic. Um, yeah, if driving a wheelchair, it can be hard. You know, you look, it looks like such a simple motion, but when you're going uphill and you've got to lean into it and all this kind of thing, it's you know, a workout. it really is. So I'm looking to get a little bit more back support, leg support, things like that. And mm -hmm. um, I actually have been having chronic hip problems for like a year and that's not been great. So yeah, um, and hopefully that positioning will help with that. Have you ever found uh, yet somewhere on campus that's unaccessible? Um. Well, let me think. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the accessibility buttons they have outside, a lot of them just don't work. Oh, really? Even the ones outside my building stopped working and all the elevators are breaking. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of maintenance. Uh, and imagine that's stressful for the buildings and the structures in the first few weeks. And probably more stressful this year than it has been in years past because of the pandemic, maybe. And I don't know what the numbers were <clears throat> last year at UAB for on campus, but maybe there was a lot more online schooling. So the structures and the buildings didn't get that, that work through that they needed. Now everybody's coming back to campus this year. So it's like an overload on the system. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hoping that that gets fixed very quickly uh, for you so you don't have to. Now, are you on the first floor in case the elevator doesn't work? No, I'm on the honors floor on the sixth floor, which there's no rooms on the first floor of my dorm anyway, so it wouldn't have made much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, UAB reacts to that pretty uh, promptly uh, and goes with there. Um, is th things that we haven't talked about um, for maybe in a, someone that's thinking about going to college that you think is really important, or a parent, you know, were your parents kind of nervous about, and I'm sure they're, yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. I mean, of course they were nervous, you know, I've, I've scarcely stayed the night at people's houses the most, 
daring thing I do is go to camp. And, you know, I have round the clock supervision. I have nurses on site. I have all this stuff and they're prepared for disability. Meanwhile, college, as I've said, I feel like they're surprised to see me there and interpret from that what you will about society. But yeah, it's, I totally understand why they were nervous. I was nervous too, because mm-hmm. it's just such a big change. And I miss home to a point. I do. I'm glad to be home when I can come home on the weekends. Yes. Yeah, so I know you go home on the weekends and home is about an hour and a half away from UAB, maybe an hour. Actually, it's uh, more like an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. It's not bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. And I'm, I'm sure, like, did you have conversations with your parents beforehand? And they're like, don't go out to the clubs, you know, this type of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, don't go to certain parts of Birmingham at night. Don't, you know, walk around campus without somebody with you. Make mm-hmm. sure you know where all the help buttons are, things like that. You know, just stay alert. And I get all the usual advice every girl gets, you know. <laughs> don't wear headphones. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, I just mean, you know, don't wear headphones, things like that. Look behind you. You know what? That's something that I have never thought about. Um, but if uh, if I ever have a daughter, I think I would be very overprotective. Um, but that just goes to show how little I know about, you know, that, that kind of thing. I would never think to, to not wear headphones walking at night, um, you know. Really? Yeah, I would never. I never have. I've always thought, man, I don't know how people can do that. Aren't they freaked out? Like, don't, don't you want to be aware of your surroundings? I get lost in the music. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm actually. I don't want to get lost in the music unless I'm in my house. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm actually I'm scared of crossing the street. This is kind of off topic, but um, I'm from rural areas there's like maybe four crosswalks in downtown and I don't even go there that often so it's really freaky it's like wait the cars can't just hit me like they're not going to do that there's stop signs and stuff they're actually going to do that it's so freaky to just walk across the street and see the car coming right at you and be like oh my god (laughs) well that and like you don't know if they're texting or looking down at their phones and and downtown uh Birmingham you know some of the streets are four lanes wide yeah Uh, and it gets a little crazy there. Um, something that you would tell uh, someone in high school that is looking forward to doing uh, what you're doing, what would you tell them? Um, let's see. It's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of responsibility, but that doesn't mean it won't be worth it. Hmm. I'm really glad I did this, even if I'm needing and using more help and more you know, assistance than I originally planned. You know, I'm still way more independent than I was. I can have a social life. Living on campus is great. If you have a disability, just keep in mind that there are going to be things that it's not a utopia. Not everyone, you're not going to get to college and everyone is going to, you know, know how to react to you. I was maybe a bit too optimistic. I assumed that I wouldn't be I don't know I wouldn't be an outlier I thought it was perfectly normal for people with my needs to go and live on campus but when I talk to people everyone kind of assumes I don't live on campus they're really surprised they're like oh good for you it's like thank you yeah so keep that in mind hate to be the bearer of bad news but yeah everything else is great though you know go do it just it's a lot of work 
I don't like, it stresses me that you use the word outlier there. And um, I hate that, that you feel that way sometimes. I don't like to hear that. Yeah, I don't like to hear it either. I don't like to feel that way because it's like, why are there not more people like me doing this? Because I know so many people that we should have that option. You know, we should have the support to be able to do that because it's a great experience. Everyone says you'll meet the best friends you ever had in college. It's a cha life-changing experience. So really encourage everyone to help their loved ones with disabilities make that transition and let them live their lives and be their own people because it's been great. And you're a very outgoing person, very upbeat person. Um, and I've kind of, I feel like I'm kind of that way as well, pretty outgoing. Um, and I felt that way a little bit in the first few weeks of college. Like, why aren't more people just like arms open? Hey, how you doing? Let's go, you know, do something in the quad. Um, <laughs> but I guess everybody's got their different experiences. Um, so keep at it. Don't, don't feel, I don't want you to feel, um, you know, as an outlier there, uh, keep going. It's just like with, uh, with us finding someone for my aunt, you got to keep going. And eventually you'll find a great group of people. You know, you don't need more than five, um, have <laughs> as many as you want, but a good, strong core group of people, uh, is really what you need there. Now, what would you say to maybe, um, some parents, uh, when their child is in high school, uh, or a senior and, um, going to college the next year? I mean, just that they're going to be okay. And even if they're not um, where you can see them all the time, that doesn't mean they're not safe. It doesn't mean they're going to forget about you, but it's just important to um, let people grow and have their own, let them have a little taste of self-determination. Mm -hmm. Let us get the chance to decide where we're going to go. You know, let us get the opportunity to have that autonomy because it's really been weird. It's like, oh, wait, I, I, I decide what we do. Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Like we have three hours in between classes. Like, what am I going to do? Well, I get to decide whatever the want, whatever the heck I want to do. Exactly. It's so weird, but it's really liberating. It's like, wait, if I just want to go on a walk, I can. I mean, there's no health benefits for me, but if I just feel like going outside, I can, you know, just things like that. Little things that you take for granted let your kids experience that because it's going to be a positive change for their lives. Mm. I, I, th I would venture to say there is a health benefit uh, to being outside, a breathing fresh air, uh, getting a different sense of environment. Uh, maybe when I go outside and I get a big fresh air and I feel better. Uh, so I definitely recommend that. Um, well, is there anything that we haven't talked about? Oh, I would like to say to the parents, send money. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of weeks uh, or a month ahead, send money. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about um, that you'd like to express about UAB and your experience so far? Um, well, you know, despite everything, I, like, I've had some negative takes. I've had some positive takes. But um, despite everything, it's been a great experience. I'm glad I did it. No, um, nothing really bad to report. Just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a transition. And it's a lot of work and responsibility. And I'm glad I put in all of the hours it took to get scholarship forms, get um, paperwork, get the FAFSA, all that kind of stuff filled out. I mean, it's hard, but it's, you know, it's hard to stay on top of it when you're young and maybe you have health things going on, but it, it did pay off. I'm gonna, I feel like I'm in an environment where I can really 
be myself and learn learn what I need to learn to achieve my goals. So it all worked out for the best. Yeah, I know you put in a ton of work planning and to get where you are today. And to hear you say you feel like you're in the right place uh, is a very comforting thing. Um, so congrats, congratulations on everything. I know you put in a ton of work. Uh, we've talked about it in a previous broadcast, and now you're kind of reaping the rewards of all that years of work uh, and able to uh, continue to grow there. And Mrs. Uh, Redeker says she's so proud of you. Oh, thank you, Jenny. <laughs> Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and uh, end our broadcast for today. I appreciate everybody being with us uh, and learning more about uh, McCartney's first uh, couple weeks there at UAB. And hopefully you'll keep us in the loop uh, throughout your broadcast that you're doing. Uh, just, you know, how everything's going. Of course. Yeah. Very cool. All right. At this time, we'll go ahead and end the broadcast and we'll each give uh, a wave to the camera. Thank and you all for watching. <laughs> I see you guys next week.